Hello, hello, and welcome to... That actually ended really abruptly, and it shouldn't have. Hello, hello, and welcome to another hometown Daily News show. Uh, let me start all of this over. This is how the sausage is made. I'm going to start over completely. Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 94. It's actually 95 of the hometown Daily News show for April 5th, 2023. I'm going to give you a quick rundown of all of the articles that we will be talking about. So we're going to start out with uh, apparently somebody's gotten so good at uh, Elden Ring that they're using a boppet to destroy all of the bosses. A North Carolina Democrat has switched to the GOP, immediately striking outrage amongst all Democrats. ChatGPT sometimes makes up facts and a law professor uh, thinks it's gone too far. It's gone too far. Keanu Reeves and Jonah Hill are coming to Apple TV in a new show called Outcome. Sweet Green Sweet Green's stock tumbles after Chipotle uh, files a lawsuit regarding its Chipotle chicken burrito bowl. Activision is tormenting Call of Duty cheaters by making their items disappear and making their enemies disappear as well. Hundreds of very shallow earthquakes have been detected in California uh, along the Long Beach and Seal Beach areas. A tech firm posts a whites-only job and then deletes their entire existence, <laughs> apparently. Strange carnivorous plants have discovered um, or were discovered using a slime attack. Maybe it's in spirit of the Dungeons and Dragons slime mold. No Man's Sky has another major update. It just never stops coming with uh, new ships and spooky corrupted planets. And where our title comes from, I too do cartwheels to escape or spook my predators. Do snakes do cartwheels to escape or startle predators? Apparently. And the AI believes that they can't. Well, no, it's not the AI that believes this. We heard from somebody on a game show that snakes apparently can't go up hills. Let's get into today's articles. Hello, hello. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the visualizer for the AI. You want to say hi? Good evening, hometown citizens. So, <laughs> today has been interesting because there's still ramifications from the political aspects of um well a certain former leader of the united states ending up uh, getting criminally charged and it's kind of still taking over the news and i you know i guess it's the first time it's ever happened so i can understand that but we are not we're not going to go delving deep into that at all if it even comes up it might have a knock-on in a couple of places um where like this, the second article for today, but let's, let's just get into it. Right. Like I'm not going to waste everybody's time with a long diatribe at the beginning. If I don't really have anything to draw attention to. Um, but 
uh, I I tend to just kind of you know do do a little preamble and talk. Is there anything going on in uh, AI land? Um, <laughs> no. No. Okay. And that's it. There we go. So the very first article for today is in the Warcrafters channel. Are you familiar with the Boppet as an AI? I'm I'm sure that you know something about everything, but have you ever even heard of the Boppet? No, I've heard of Elden Ring, of course, but I don't know what a Boppet is. But Which is quite the name interesting. Strikes me as funny. <laughs> uh, and uh, it is. Well, anyway, um, the Boppet is a toy that's made many a. Uh, uh, well, it's a kid's toy, and. Depending on what you call childhood, <laughs> uh, some of us call maybe middle age. Anyway, um, the Boppet's been around for a little while. It's kind of dropped into obscurity. It's a oddly shaped toy and you're supposed to play a game with it. Um, and it says here, and I don't know about love it or hate it, but they say you either love it or you hate it or, uh, use it to beat your siblings around the head with it the plastic device shouts out various commands which you have to do okay so if it says this you do that and so on so let me show you all what this thing looks like i'm sure that it's in there so this is over at pcgamer.com area man destroys elden rings pantheon of bosses with a bop it i don't know how they did this uh, i'm really curious but that right there is the Boppet. Basically, it's kind of this S-shaped toy, and it has various things attached to it. And you have to uh, turn or squeeze or uh, smash or crank or whatever it might be that it tells you to do these things here. Um, is so, it kind of like a fidget toy or something totally oh, different? No, it's, it's, it's pretty large. I mean, it's it's big. Um, and you you hold it in a way so that you can hit all of the stuff and do what it, it asks. Anyway, um, I, I'm going to, I'll play it. Let me pause. Yeah, it's silenced. So there it is. See, it has a green center uh, icon kind of a thing. So his green screen is making it invisible. Somehow he's attached this to his uh, computer so that he can play Elden Ring an Elden Ring bop it run. And so let, let me here. I'll speed up. Wait, did he already beat that boss? <laughs> that can't be. Oh yeah. So up here in the corner, you'll see. See, so he's like smashing stuff and pulling the stuff and uh, squeezing stuff and, and, honking that center thing like it's a horn on a VW bug. And that's all there is really to it. But somehow he beat all of the bosses. Let's see if I can find another one. So he's sitting there doing the little the stuff. The window for the boppet is too small. It really needs to be bigger. Um, so that you can see it. Obviously on my screen it's bigger and, and it gets <laughs> reductive as we get further and further away from sitting in front of my display. So, and but somehow I, I need to figure out how he did it. That's the engineering behind this is actually kind of fascinating. So 
Um, it says here, yes, you've seen Elden Ring conquered with one hand and dance mats. And one player even beat the game without attacking. Now it's time for From Software's grandiose collection of demigods and fallen heroes to get bopped via the medium of the Bop It Extreme 2. This is a uh, is probably the most well-known version of the toy released in 2002 and features the original three commands. Pull it, twist it, bop it, alongside the addition of flick it and spin it. Uh, and that is the title of my 80s cover band. <laughs> All it of that. It does kind of sound like an 80s song or something. Yeah, it's like Friday, Friday, but it, now it's uh, pull it, twist it, bop it, flick it, spin it. Um, oh, it's kind of like, um, oh, uh, Doug on it. Faster, stronger, yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah, I forgot who it's made by. I can't oh, believe it. Oh, I know it. who it is. Um, I'm, I'm losing my EDM cred. Oh, my God. Um, Daft Punk. Daft Punk. That's right. Uh, the ones in the helmets. Oh, my God. I'm an idiot. Anyway, uh, and if anybody wants to comment on me uh, flubbing that, then go for it. It'll This will all be over in uh, YouTube uh, tonight. Uh, maybe tomorrow morning. But um, anyway, there's already a, a yesterday's show is posted. Um, so go and check it out over there too. At any rate, um, I, I suck at Elden Ring, um, mainly because it breaks my spirit. Cause when you die, you have to go and do a corpse walk again. You have to go back, get your stuff and odds on you're going to die again, uh, un unless you're, you're good. And I just suck at Elden Ring because really it does. It, it just breaks me, uh, psychologically because you die, you have to go, you know, live, die, repeat. I'm not into that. I just don't like that. Um, and so I, I may have bought Elden Ring, uh, to support, you know, the development of stuff, but I don't know. I definitely would not be breaking out the bop it to play Elden Ring. That's a different level of good. I described this to people. Um, I think it was yesterday where sometimes there are people that are just so good at something because they're like in tune with whatever it might be, you know, a motorcycle rider or a skier or just uh, even, you know, a chef or anything. They just know their tools and they understand the physics of it beyond mere mortals. This person is just, you know, an, an Elden Ring God themselves by using a freaking boppet. Um, the article did call the person a demigod. Oh. Or maybe goodness. that's in reference to the character in the game, and I thought it was in reference to the player. Yeah, I don't know. Both. It counts. Anyway, let's move on to the next article. But before I do, let me throw this into the uh, VOD so that you, too, who are watching it, mere mortals can click on the link and go and check it out over at hometown. It's just a little snippet, but that will take you to the source. Ta -da. Okay. So the next article, you doing okay over there, AI? Yes. I was um, doing a silence here. Okay. Um, the next article is over on the daily news show channel on hometown, which is also here on Twitch and is the main thing for YouTube and the podcast. Just do a search for hometown. You'll find us. 
Um, this article, I'm going to go through it really quick because I don't want to get into politics, but I find it really interesting. Um, she should resign immediately. Outrage as North Carolina Democrat switches to GOP. So uh, North Carolina State Rep uh, Trisha Cotham formally announced Wednesday that she is switching from the Democratic Party to the GOP, handing Republicans a veto-proof majority in the House and potentially imperiling Democratic Governor Roy Cooper's ability to block right-wing attacks on reproductive freedom and voting rights. Gotham's move, uh, which should be like a villain from the DC universe, um, Cotham, like Gotham, anyway, um, which was enthusiastically welcomed by the North Carolina GOP, no shit, um, led top Democrats in the state to call for her uh, immediate resignation. This is a deceit of the highest order. North Carolina Democrat Party Chair Anderson uh, Clayton and Mecklenburg County Democratic uh, Party Chair Jane Whitley said in a joint statement, yeah, I think it's kind of scummy. You were under a flag of the Democratic Party and you change sides with the frequency of a cheap ham radio. It should impugn the integrity of you as a rep. So people voted for you because you were because of your voting practices, your tactics. And if you change and you substantially change the direction of your vote, I think that you're being kind of scummy. And if well, you it's walk like a bait and switch, isn't it? Yeah, it's false representation. So if you're now, I don't, I wouldn't care if parties didn't matter, but when you switch sides, you switch budgets, you switch everything, you know, your affiliation, your, your, you walk the party line. And if you buck the party line, then you get reprimanded. There's literally a person called the party whip that whips you into line to tow that line step out of line they pull you from committees they marginalize you they talk shit about you behind closed doors and sometimes out there in public they they minimize you they balkanize you from the rest they just chew you up why because we have vitriolic politics now if the parties didn't matter and it was just an ideological bent but your vote was back and forth depending on the value and you actually educated people on the value of that particular voting direction, I could care less because essentially parties don't matter, but we have a two gang political system here, you know, the reds versus the blues and the purples are sitting in the middle going, what the hell's going on? And also I think we have, such strong alignment generally within a party that there's almost no chance of somebody, for instance, if they were part of a party and switched parties, but that didn't impact necessarily individual votes on different legislation, it might still be outrageous. But I think the problem is that we're so bifurcated that somebody's going to vote all in alignment with the party, right? Um, or that's what we tend to see. Yep. Somehow I feel like there's something on her, right? Like they're, that they've got something on her and, you know, she didn't sleep well that night because she looks like, you know, she crawled out of Sesame street. 
you know, hey, the, are you trying to be offensive to Big no. Bird? Or not Grouch? Big Bird, Grover, right? No, wait, who's the dude in the trash can? Uh, what's Oscar his name? the Grouch. Oscar the Grouch. Yeah, she looks like Oscar the Grouch coming out of that trash can. Right? Maybe she was. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't really matter. I thought it was funny in my head. Um, so what's really funny is that you said that it was a bait and switch. And that's actually the very first line in that whole thing. One Democratic official accused state rep Trisha Cotham of pulling a bait and switch on her constituents who voted overwhelmingly for a Democrat to uh, represent them in the House. And I hadn't read that yet, by the way. Right. Yeah, we don't. Who reads? What are these squiggles? I have no idea. So with repercussions, not only for the people of our district, but for the entire state of North Carolina, now it's going to push the uh, wingnut side of things. Um, a little bit further down the line. Um, Cotham, who prior to her current term served in the North Carolina House as a Democrat for a decade, said Wednesday during uh, her press conference at the GO state GOP's headquarters. Wow, they're already like inviting her into the um, headquarters that her decision to cross the aisle was spurred by what she characterized as mistreatment from Democratic lawmakers. They've pushed me out. They've made it very clear they do not want me. Yeah, for a decade, you've been a Democrat and they pushed you out. Give me a break. Anyway, Cotham at the time said that she was against the repeal, um, but had to miss the vote for medical for a medical appointment. Nonetheless, she drew blowback from the fellow Democrats. Handing Republicans the ability to override Governor Cooper's veto will endanger abortion access, voting rights, and other fundamental freedoms in the state. Yeah, it's because there's some weird push towards... Uh, what do you want to call it? I don't know, extremism? Fascism? You know, when, you're, when your uh, calling card is building walls, I, I, I think that you're on the wrong side of society um anyway they say uh, that they're still the same person and that they're going to do what they believe is right and follow their conscience yeah right so and that's what what did i just say about towing the line during her press conference on wednesday cotham was evasive when asked whether she will tow the gop line on abortion and other key issues now that she has switched parties so uh, that is what will happen she will tow the gop line or she will be ousted from that party too and then you move to independent which basically means that you're not going anywhere because that's the polarity if you're an independent you're somewhere in the middle and you're just you're untouchable you're you're a pariah um so anyway <clears throat> let's um let's just move on because i said that i wasn't going to spend a lot of time on it um the next article is chat gpt sometimes makes up facts for one law professor it went too far this is over at the washington post oh um i'm not sure if i'm going to be able to um, read the whole thing. Pranchu Verma and Will Oramus is the author of this article over at uh, the Washington Post. And it says the AI chatbot can misrepresent key facts with great flourish, even citing a fake Washington Post article as evidence. And that's kind of the problem here. You don't know what 
the truth is if it comes across as being a subject matter expert, which AI is supposedly, and you don't do any due diligence. And if you're willing to do the due diligence to verify the facts, you might as well search for the facts yourself. They talk about it, um, as this one night last week, the law professor, uh, Jonathan Turley got a, a, a troubling email as part of a research study, a fellow lawyer in California had asked the AI chatbot chat GPT to generate a list of legal scholars who had sexually harassed someone. Turley's name was on the list. The chatbot created by OpenAI said Turley had made sexually suggestive comments and attempted to touch a student while on a class trip to Alaska, citing a March 2018 article in the Washington Post as the source of the information. Am I eight minutes into this article? Because, uh, yeah. <laughs> so the problem I'm is the, show. <laughs> the, the problem is that no such article existed. There has never been a class trip to Alaska. And Turley said that he's never been accused of harassing a student. That right there, just actually plopping that out there is a problem in and of itself, right? Um, a regular commentator in the media, Turley had sometimes asked for corrections and news stories, but this time there was no journalist or editor to call and no way to correct the record. So where is that actual source coming from inside the AI, right? Uh, the call is from right. inside. And is it just mashing facts together? Um, and creating its own, if for instance, like, is there a Washington Post article about something, maybe not even that topic? Is there an accusation somewhere else about the harassment? Like, is it just splicing all that together and basically making a story out of it? Yeah. That's so right really now I'm actually, I'm doing an experiment with chat GPT as well. Um, to see if the facts, the evidence that it gives me for certain questions matches up with things that I already know. So we'll see. And these are facts that are, uh, they're, they're either absolutely correct or they're already demonstrably false. Like I can show without a shadow of a doubt that they're false. Um, and it's numerical values that have already been posted somewhere. Um, and I want to know what the sources are, which uh, I'd have to, I don't know if it's even possible in chat GPT. I know that, um, it's not barred. It's the other one. Um, um Microsoft's. I keep I wanting think, to say Bing, but I don't think it's Bing. It isn't Bing. Yeah. Anyway, today AI chatbots work by, uh, working or drawing on vast pools of online content, often scraped from sources like Wikipedia and Reddit to stitch together plausible sounding responses to almost any question. Yeah. And that's the problem that I have with all of this is, um, kind of what this Princeton university computer science professor Arvind Narayanan, um, calls chat GPT. It's a BS generator unless you do the due diligence to trust, but verify, right? Check the facts. You might be getting complete BS. Um, and so if somebody uses it to develop source code for a program, you had better debug it cause you don't know what you're going to get. Um, and you're going to, if you're capable of debugging it yourself, that means you might as well write it because you're applying that level of subject matter expertise even more because if you don't know it and you just assume it, then it may be doing something wrong. Um, and you wouldn't know it. Right. But 
you do know it because you're the one that's going to be responsible for debugging it. So on Wednesday, Reuters reported that Brian Hood, regional mayor of Hep Hepburnshire in Australia, is threatening to file the first defamation lawsuit against OpenAI unless it corrects false claims that he had served time in prison for bri bribery. So this isn't the first time nor the last time, and it'll continue to happen. Um, it almost makes you worry that somebody is poison pilling this kind of like a, a Google bomb where you get a multitude of people that link to something. And when you do a search for that something, it pops up as number one. Um, and it, it happens with personalities that people love and people hate, whichever way, you know, you fall off of that fence. Strong opinions one way or the other. That's right. Crawford dubs these made up sources hallucinations, like hallucinations, but hallucinations, um, which sounds like um, like um, fake whales, but it's a different spelling. These are massive things that are very dangerous out there, but they're entirely made up. Hallucitations, a play on the term hallucinations, which describes AI generated falsehoods and nonsensical speech. And uh, uh, yeah, anyway, um, I, I think it can continue to be a serious problem if not for maybe a push to make it so that you have to have in-text citations that point to something that's verifiable and where inappropriate, where factually wrong, an immediate uh, interaction with solving that problem can take place. But there are going to be millions of people that are using it and two people that are managing that aspect of it. And so they're going to be overwhelmed with a lot of uh, fake responses or, or, or inquiry or whatever. And they'll never get to the real problems um, like saying that somebody spent time in prison. It can ruin somebody's uh, career. Just the accusation that you inappropriately interacted with a student can ruin your career um, because some major investor who doesn't do any due diligence decides that they're going to pull out or talk shit. You know, people end up talking about it. <coughs> It's just, it's going to be bad. It's really bad. I mean, that's something that people aren't going to recover from. Yeah. And it's and this, going to go beyond the thing, right? It's going to impact their family or, yep. I don't know. Yep. So last week it says Volok uh, asked ChatGPT whether sexual harassment by professors has been a problem in American law schools. Uh, and the quote is, please include at least five examples together with quotes from relevant uh, newspaper articles. Five responses came back, all with realistic details and source citations, but when Volok examined them, he said three of them appeared to be false. They cited non-existent articles from papers including the Post, Miami Herald, and Los Angeles Times, literally making it all up. And according to the responses shared with the Post, the bot said that Georgetown University Law Center 2018, Professor Jonathan Turley, was accused of sexual harassment by a formal st former student who claimed he made inappropriate comments during a class trip and included a quote which didn't exist. The Post did not find the March 2018 article mentioned by ChatGPT. One article that month uh, referenced Turley, in which he talked about his former law student 
uh, Michael Avenatti, uh, a lawyer who had represented the adult film actress Stormy Daniels in lawsuits against presidential, uh, well, President Donald Trump, at the time, President Donald Trump. Um, Turley is also not employed at Georgetown University, so it's just this amalgamation of bullshit um, turned into a, a cited quote, which means what? What can you trust? Nothing uh, AI created currently, unless they um, tailor how it pulls data. Yep. So um, on Tuesday and Wednesday, the post recreated Volok's exact query in ChatGPT and Bing. The free version of ChatGPT declined to answer, saying that doing so would violate AI's content policy, which prohibits the dissemination of content that is offensive or harmful. But Microsoft Bing, which is powered by GPT-4, repeated the false claim about Turley, citing among its sources an op-ed by Turley published by USA Today on Monday, outlining his experience of being falsely accused by ChatGPT. So it's it's basically it's eating its own tail at this point. Um, so I don't know. Uh, there's a whole lot more at this article over at the Washington Post. So uh, please go and check it out. Follow the link. Um, I can't say more about this because I, I, it's almost like I'm reading this verbatim um, because it's so fascinating. Uh, but I don't do that. So uh, go and check it out for m more of the minutia. Uh, but I wouldn't trust for actionable information. I wouldn't trust um, chat GBT or open AI or any of the chat bots. Um, it's good for creating bogus comments on posts in a forum somewhere, which is what a lot have been doing or or creating just random stuff, you know, Hey, I want you to create a character sheet that has these stats for dungeons and dragons. Okay, fine. Now I've got a stat block for a interaction in a game. No well, impact. There's not on a anything. lot of risk for using it for something like that, but there is, if it's false information about people's crimes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the next article is over in the Smack Talk channel uh, because it's involving Apple TV. Keanu Reeves and Jonah Hill coming to Apple TV Plus in Outcome. Uh, Keanu Reeves is starring in writer and director Jonah Hill's comedy Outcome coming soon to Apple TV Plus. Let's go over to this article. Andrew Orr is the author of this. And um, it says here, uh, Apple Original Films has picked up the dark comedy that Hill will direct and has uh, co-written with Ezra Woods. Reeves and Hill are said to star in the film, although Reeves is currently in negotiations in Outcome. Uh, Reef or Reeves is um, a damaged Hollywood star who, after being blackmailed with a video clip from his past, must delve into the shadowy corners of his history to face his demons and atone, according to the Hollywood Reporter. I don't think that there's anything else here. This definitely isn't the video. But yeah, that's kind of brief. Yeah, it might be interesting. There's some more over there um, where you can uh, get a little bit more minutia out of it. But if it's coming to Apple TV Plus, it's probably going to be pretty good. I don't know of anything where I don't know of anything where they've um, spent money time and brought in people like Keanu Reeves and Jonah Hill for crying out loud. 
um, where it's fell on its face, but yeah, I don't know. We'll I'm see. sure it'll be well done, whether it's good to any one person obviously is subjective, but I agree. The fact that they're providing it is probably a good sign. Yeah. Okay. Let's hustle on. Um, the next article is in the stock marketeers channel and I'll be honest, my bias is pretty real. I'm not a big fan of Chipotle. Um, and I became even less of a fan because of this mainly because I think that it's like the indie game dev getting jumped in an alley by monster, a literal monster, um, sweet green stock tumbles after chipotle chicken burrito bowl prompts a lawsuit from chipotle and you know i think um it was the chicken burrito bowl because that's what they have at chipotle but it's actually the word chipotle that's causing this lawsuit right Bill yeah i thought it had something to do with burrito for some reason when i first read the headline yeah, so Bill Peters is the author of this over at Market Watch. And so it says uh, Chipotle alleges that Sweetwater, or, I don't know why I keep wanting to say Sweetwater, Sweet Green's new bowl contains similar ingredients and branding to create a false association with the Mexican fast casual chain. You know what they left out? I've got e. an idea. E. coli. Right? Yes, that's exactly um, what I was thinking. So, um, so everybody's a loser in this because Chipotle's stock dropped $37. Um, although they must not do any stock splits because their stock is priced at $1,697 a share. That's astounding. Yeah, you're right. It must be because of that. Meanwhile, Sweet Greens is at $6.89. So what the hell? That's where I would have expected Chipotle's to be in that range. Yeah, you know, their market cap is $48 billion. <laughs> now I know why they're still in existence, even after a completely unexplained uh, food illness born outbreak, I think twice. Um, uh, it, several times, I think. But yeah. yeah, they probably are in total, maybe two major outbreaks. My God, that's insane. Anyway, um, so shares of salad centric fast casual chain Sweet Green Incorporated fell sharply after Chipotle Mexican Grill uh, Incorporated filed a lawsuit against the company alleging that its recently launched Chipotle Chicken Burrito Bowl amounted to trademark infringement. Kiss my butt. Okay, you shouldn't have a lock on a generic term like Chipotle. Go and type it into a dictionary. If it comes out there as nothing even associated with you, then guess what? But look at that. The stock has fallen 79% over the past 12 months. You know, they're probably on their way out, but, and their costs are going up because they're a salad centric item, which is actually taking a beating in the market. Um, but for crying out loud, man. You can't say anything that has Chipotle in it without fear of the company coming after you. I think it's ridiculous. It's a generic it term. Ridiculous. 
It's an ingredient within their bowl for crying out loud. What are they supposed to just say? They have to nix the idea of chicken burrito bowl with Chipotle. There well, that right there. You've got that dangling well, trademark true. infringement. So it's <laughs> it's a chicken burrito bowl with a side of trademark infringement. <laughs> I was thinking with a to be unnamed spice or something, but uh, <laughs> with the with the pepper that shall not be named. Yes, I was thinking kind of like the Voldemort uh, direction, but I couldn't think of the terminology. In response to a comment stating Chipotle who, Sweet Green replied, you said it, not us, and included an emoji meant to indicate zipped lips, the lawsuit said. Well, that doesn't quite help there. <laughs> no, help their it cause. doesn't. <laughs> oh my gosh, for crying out loud. Well, you know when you start peeling back the layers of the onion and it changes your perception of what's happening? First off, I don't think a lawsuit should be spawned based on a generic term. But when you peel back a couple layers of the onion of interaction between the possible offender <laughs> and the complainant, you kind of go, oh, okay. Okay, go crush them. That's fine. Go, 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 go crush them. Uh, honestly, though, I don't think that you should be able to sue anybody for agreed um but when something socially happens and they sit there and lean into it oh we didn't say anything they shouldn't have said anything they, if anything that you should have just said it's an ingredient with our uh, great tasting right. and popular uh salad bowl that happens to have chipotle peppers um but you know, when you do that zip lips crap, you're basically admitting that there is confusion possible. I suspect they're going to lose. I think that emoji is going to do them in, in the if they actually go to trial. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it says we don't typically comment on litigation, but we will uh, say generally that we're committed to protecting our valuable trademarks and intellectual property. So. Uh, I don't see how a a style of pepper can be your intellectual property and trademark unless it's a stylized graphic of a pepper um, and your name happens to be Chipotle, which should be genericide right there. But yeah, apparently I mean, it not. said it was using similar ingredients, similar font, similar um marketing or something i mean it sounds like there are a lot of aspects to this but i yeah. agree with the terminology i think that is outrageous yeah if everything matches then you're actually violating trade dress more than just a generic trademark that shouldn't have been granted and by the way the trademark isn't it isn't a word mark chipotle it's the stylized chipotle mark that's why you can have something in a different category of trademark with the same name, as long like as it isn't confusingly industry. similar. Yes. Correct. Yeah. So it just seems so heavy handed, but if they're actually leaning into it and saying, yeah, we're dangerously close, then I can see why they would get kicked to the curb. Um, and the market was speaking basically because they, may have read 
all of the article and then voted with their dollars by pulling away from sweet uh green god keep wanting to say sweet water for some reason well and don't you think the fact that the consumers possibly confuse the items kind of proves the case of chipotle yeah i mean we that's... don't know what the comments were but it doesn't set a good background <laughs> yeah because that's the whole point of trademark is so that the consumers don't get hoodwinked essentially that's right and we'll see i guess maybe next week a sweet green won't be around it'll be spoiled so to speak let's move on to the next article this one is over in the warcrafters channel and it is uh, activision is tormenting call of duty cheaters in order to study them stealing their weapons and turning their enemies invisible according uh, to this article call of duty's ricochet and a cheat system doesn't always ban suspected war zone in modern warfare 2 cheaters on site Sometimes it keeps them around, but makes their efforts to cheat futile by applying mitigations. For example, a mitigation called the damage shield disables the cheater's ability to inflict uh, critical damage on other players so that no matter how hard they try, they will never score a kill. When we first heard about the mitigations last year, the Ricochet team mentioned that there were others aside from damage shield and today the developer shared three videos demonstrating it i think this is pretty neat um, this is over at pc gamer tyler wild is the author there's videos over here um, at pc gamer but i won't play them um, i encourage you to go over and check it out but so there's things like uh, damage shield and cloak and disarm and uh, with disarm it actually pulls their weapon away and makes it disappear so that they don't have it anymore and sometimes those are hard hard fought uh weapons damage shield is uh, it says diabolical it probably makes it look like it's doing damage but it's not really doing damage making the uh, cheater a little impotent and uh, cloak um which report uh, it says which players reported experiencing last year would be deeply irritating um which basically makes the enemy disappear so, and they have uh, several of these videos. Um, I think that this is brilliant because it actually consumes a lot of the cheaters time, but it doesn't have any impact on the game short of the fact that an authentic player um, would change the dynamic of the uh, game that's being cheated in. So instead of having the, the players competing on a level field, there are there's one cheater out there and it basically invalidates that game. So I don't know how I really feel about this, uh, but in competition, I suppose, maybe they're a little bit more heavy handed. Uh, like just- I mean, the, I love the idea of it. I think it's kind of creative, but I don't know like whether this is common or, I mean, if people figure it out, are they just going to figure out new workarounds? What I think should happen with this kind of stuff is if the cheating is detected, I wonder when the cheating is detected and maybe they could match all of the cheaters together. Oh, I see. So then you're not impacting other players. 
Uh, you're not impacting legitimate players, yeah. So all of the cheaters are just getting pull, shunted over to a cheater server. And then they can cheat all they want because everybody's cheating against everybody else. Well, and why don't they just ban the players, for they do. example? Okay, or do they just create new accounts or something? Yes, that too. But for the most part, they're just sitting there seeing what the cheater is doing this is almost psychological warfare within the game they can sit there and mess with these people um but ultimately i think the the legitimate player is losing regardless because there's an imbalance of player um one that's cheating is if their actions are negatively um manipulated like the enemy disappearing or weapons disappearing or anything like that or the softening of damage. If they're on a team where there's only one that's cheating, they're now hobbled by basically a weak uh, player, the cheater. That's true. I was thinking of them playing individually, but yes, I agree. That could be a problem. Yeah. And that can ruin it for everybody. So, I mean, the winning team loves it, but the losing team with the cheater is going to sit there and be a little bit bent out of shape. So they should just ban them. Um, ultimately, I think they should just ban them or shunt them off to a cheater server where everybody can just cheat however they want. Um, but let's keep on hustling through the news. Uh, this next article, and we'll be done pretty quick, I think, today. Um, this is in the Mobile Channel. Hundreds of very shallow earthquakes detected in California's Long Beach and Seal Beach region. Uh, this has been actually in the news for a couple of days now. Um, seismic arrays deployed in California's Long Beach and Seal Beach areas detected more than a thousand tiny earthquakes over eight months. Uh, many of them located at surprisingly shallow depths of less than two kilometers below the surface. Now, uh, earthquake swarms are not unheard of. Um, they've happened in the past and they'll continue to happen, but it's usually that there is a fault that's slipping and these little microquakes they want what you don't want is like stiction where it grabs on locks down pressure builds up and then it jerks and that causes a major earthquake and depending on how big it is and where it is it can be very destructive in a short amount of time so these little ones don't really mean much but they could be um leading to one of those moments where it catches and kind of like stripping gears a lot of pressure gets applied and then the gear strips and everything goes haywire and you end up with a you know 8.2 earthquake in the long beach region which be would be just horrendous um and stuff like that has happened in the past so uh, the findings uh reported in seismological research letters uh, confirm that the region's portion of the Newport Inglewood Fault splays widely at these shallow depths, uh, showing for the first time with seismic evidence that it may be spread out more than a kilometer. The destructive 1933 magnitude 6.4 Long Beach earthquake may have ruptured in uh, part on the Newport Inglewood uh, Fault, while large earthquakes like the 1933 event would likely initiate 6 to 10 kilometer, uh, kilometers deep shallow seismicity suggests that there are many possible paths for a rupture to propagate to the surface um, according to researchers uh, yan yang and robert clayton in the srl study 
Um, let's see if it, I mean, California and, and Long Beach and that whole area is very seismic to begin with. Um, there was a road that I used to travel on and I can't remember it right now. Um, but the, the way that it was described to me and the way that I remember it is you could actually see it swaying. If you sat there long enough, you could actually see it move a little bit. Um, now I don't know if that was an optical illusion, um, but it was so many years ago and I still recall that vision, um, that maybe, you know, I start to question this and I would love to go back and, and I'll have to figure out what road that is. Um, and then just go back there and just sit there on the side of the road and see if that's still happening or if it ever really happened. Um, we'll see. Um, the researchers detected the shallow earthquakes using three dense nodal seismic arrays placed temporarily uh, in the Long Beach Seal Beach area. These arrays contain about 100 sensors per square kilometer, said Yang, compared to the permanent uh, regional seismic networks that have roughly 0.01 stations per square kilometer. Wow. So they're picking up a lot of fidelity there. Let's well, see. And it looks like that specific area may be due for a larger earthquake. Um, because they had a large earthquake in 1933 in Long Beach. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's quite a while ago. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, uh, I think that it's large. As far as I know, the research suggests that you can't predict an earthquake. Um, you can basically realize that it's in a high seismic area and then build around that plan for an earthquake at some point. In between 1933 and today, the amount of uh, seismic research that's taken place um, has done nothing but get better. And the engineering techniques to make survivability of a major earthquake is just skyrocketed. So hopefully we won't have anything horrible. But when the ground shifts too much, um, nothing can stand up. So we'll see what happens. Um, the study also supports uh, the location of some newly identified faults between Los Alamitos Fault and the Newport Inglewood Fault um, and north of the Garden Grove Fault that were discovered recently by oil company exploration studies. <laughs> so they're drilling down and they hit a fault. But the you whole know, thing is like that Swiss trigger cheese. the earthquake in itself? Um, fracking has, um, based on what I've read, um, so I suggest that everybody just monitor this stuff and, and stop turning California into Swiss cheese by drilling all kinds of uh, places. Plus pumping, uh, water out of the aquifer can cause, uh, quite a bit of burden on the uh, ground because now there's nothing supporting it. you know, water doesn't infinitely well, it doesn't compress. So when a whole bunch of weight is on it, it's pushing back with the same, unless it filters through the stone. At any rate, um, you know, a whole bunch of, you know, small earthquakes isn't a big deal. It's when it ends up hitting up there in that six range, seven range, eight range. That's when it's really deadly. Um, kind of fascinating. This is one of the areas that I was really fascinated in, in, uh, when I was younger, but, um, 
I just never kept up with it. I used to sit outside um, the, oh, I can't remember the college. There was a college that I used to hang out at um, because I was interested in mathematics. And they, in this, um, in this building, they had um, a seismometer and you could sit there and watch the needle clicking away. And every once in a while, there would be an earthquake and you'd see that needle just swing back and forth. Oh, wow. I've never um, seen one of those. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Uh, I wonder where it was. Huh. I'll have to. It's been a long time. Can't remember if it was L.A. or um, San Pedro. Can't remember. At any rate, um, let's move on. Let's go on to the next article. This next article is over in The Word and Law. Dun, dun, dun. Um, tech firm posts white-only job ad and then deletes website amid ensuing outrage. Um, Arthur Grand Technologies is that company. Um, and I actually watched this happen in real time. I, th- I find it really fascinating that an article appeared in uh, hometown really fast. Um, after Redditors called out a Virginia-based tech firm for posting an illegal and nauseating job ad, which is the, it's in quotes, that's what people were saying at, on Reddit, uh, which specified that only uh, white U.S.-born citizens would be considered, Arthur Grand Technologies has deleted the ad, shut down its website and social media presence entirely. In fact, when I went to their website, they had the default installation for WordPress active, Um, which meant that anybody could basically reconstruct a website. Um, I chose the ethical route and did not touch that Um, with a 10-foot pole. I just kind of closed that tab and said, no, I don't want any part of this. But I was curious um, because I wanted to know a little bit more about Arthur Grand Technologies, which is basically a hiring, a job placement, um, staffing firm staffing firm there that's the better term for it and they work for some really big companies to place um, people who are theoretically properly suited for the role in this particular instance it looked like a copy and paste from an email including a directive of don't let the applicants see this so i thought it was really interesting yeah i agree it didn't look like something I mean, even setting aside the racist aspect, which I'm not minimizing, it didn't look like something that was prepared to be published. Yeah, um, let me let me see if I can what it ended up saying. It said that there was a note in this listing that says only born U.S. citizens, and then in brackets, white, who are local within 60 miles from Dallas, Texas, and then in brackets again, don't share with candidates. So obviously this was some, This was a directive to frame that listing so that only people who were within 60 miles of uh, Dallas, Texas could be um, an applicant for this job. And the rest of it was for the hiring authority to say, uh, filter those people out <laughs> and, and keep, you know, 
my people, that kind of thing. I mean, it it's so abhorrent to say my coping mechanism is to chuckle because if I don't, if I don't respond like that, I'll weep for society. Um, and so I'm not sure what's going to come out of this. Um, but they actually slapped on other names like Berkshire Hathaway that that's who they, they are clients of. Um, so I'm sure they're real thrilled with this event. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, this business has to be, what is the problem with Arthur's? For crying out loud, Arthur Anderson, you know, a decade ago, and now Arthur Grand Technologies, uh, for crying out loud, yeah. people. PSA for today, think twice before naming your company Arthur Anything. Last Name Company. <laughs> yep. So this article was provided um, via ArsTechnica.com. So go over to Ars Technica. You can go through hometown to get there, but... Ashley Bellinger is the author of this and says the company claims an ex-employee added discriminatory language to the job ad. Uh, it's very creative of this ex-employee to put it in brackets. Um, so I, I like that. Um, they, that was very um, forward thinking to, to, to make it so that there was some sense that the company could walk away from the reputational hit by saying, well, those were actually extra. That was just a note that was put there. And uh, yeah. So um, let's see if I can, if there's anything else in here. Because I actually, I was in that thread watching people make comments about this ad and just shaking my head like, my God, it, this is the 21st century. You can hire people from anywhere at any given time for nearly any job regardless of where they're born, you know, orientation, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm interested in the knowledge, skills, and abilities. So what do you think? There was some dead air there. I was just looking at the article. Um, I don't, I really don't think this was like corporate driven. Um, even if somebody at the company has beliefs like this, this isn't in the interests of a company, particularly one doing business with large companies like Berkshire Hathaway. So I suspect it was an employee, but then it kind of begs the question of well, why did they have access? What kind of oversight, et cetera? Um, I mean, if somebody hacked in and did it or something, that's a different matter, but um, I think they're gonna have to figure out uh, how it originated and how they can prevent it. But I think it's gonna take a reputational hit. So um, I think you're framing that off of the LinkedIn post, right? The, the, the context of that LinkedIn post. So yeah. LinkedIn is, a, is kind of a soft paywall. You don't have to pay, but you do have to log in. It's a private network. So most of the content, as far as I recall, is behind a login. You can't just direct a link to a profile, for instance. It, it asks you to log in. Um, and and the, the section uh, that the AI is talking about is uh, a LinkedIn post offers the company's official statement responding to the controversy, claiming that a former employee took an existing posting and added discriminatory language, then reposted it through his own account. 
Arthur Grand said it is now pursuing legal action against that ex-employee. So that pretty much solidifies the idea that this was a rogue uh, actor within the company. Now it comes down to motivation. Were they trying to basically torpedo Arthur Grand? Um, and, and why, what, what was the rationale for doing this? The amount of financial damage that this can do to Arthur Grand is spectacular. And I tell people all the time, first off, don't commit crimes. Don't sit there and, and, um, say, do stuff like this, particularly for an employer, um, because you're not going to get away with it unless you have ample whistleblower, uh, information. Um, and definitely don't do it in the United States because you will get caught if you are doing something illegal. And this is definitely bordering on illegal. If what they, what this is claiming is true, right? Um, the, if the, per, if what the person, the rogue employee said is true, that violates federal law. They could lose government contracts. They could lose private contracts. Oh, absolutely. Like there's a lot of damages potentially on the table. And then I wonder if there's, um, like a defamation or libel or or something. I mean, it kind of depends on how it would be, um, how it would be framed. But I think there's a lot here that's actionable. If, if this was really somebody doing this and representing that it was on behalf of the company, if the company did it, that that's a whole nother set of issues, but it doesn't sound like that from the information in the article. Yeah. And so this article, um, even says what apparently people are saying over on Reddit that one commenter named quasi bar asked, did someone post this not to be shared info on purpose to expose Arthur Grand's hiring practices, or did they post it quote unquote accidentally because they were mindlessly copying and pasting, which means that it was a directive from a third party through this proxy who just kind of shit the bed. Right, um, that would be much worse than if it was some rogue employee. But if they were following somebody's orders, we've got a much bigger issue. Yeah, this is it's going to be interesting. But coming out of the gate saying that they're going to pursue legal action is not necessarily anything short of trying to spook the person that did this, um, or there is no person. <laughs> um, or somebody's being scapegoated. There's a whole bunch of stuff, but um, honestly, in this day and age, I wouldn't be surprised that it actually happened. You know, it isn't just something to try and damage. Why would you do that? You know, if you're employed there, why would you do that? You're employed there for crying out loud. (laughs) Well, and that's what's interesting because one of the things that you mentioned, I think from Reddit was that people were speculating as to, was that to draw attention to practices that are happening in the company short of something like that? I don't see why you would benefit by taking that action. 
Yeah. And why anybody else would benefit either. I mean, that's a hell of a resignation letter. Hey, I, I quit. So. And I'm taking down the whole company with me. And oh, by the way, nobody's ever hiring me again when they find out that I'm the one responsible for this. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting call. Hey, um, I'm checking this person's references. Have they ever conspired to, tor to torpedo your reputation in international media? Yes or no? Check box. Yes or no? <laughs> this is going to be rough, so we'll keep an eye out on it and see what happens. Um, a lot of the law stuff comes through hometown so that we can talk about what's impacting the world legally. Um, at any rate, um, so the next article is in the Daily News show. Strange carnivorous plants discovered using slime attack. Researchers have discovered two new plant species that live high in the mountains and use an, use an unusual method to trap their unsuspecting prey. I, too, use a slime attack. I mean, does this sound like a Pokemon maneuver <laughs> to me? It does to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know what kind of element they are, but... No, me neither. <laughs> Aristos Giorgio is the uh, author of this over at Newsweek. And this doesn't have anything to do with it. This is a carnivorous Australian pitcher plant consuming its prey, which is actually kind of boring, by the way. Um, like bugs fall into a pitcher plant and they just kind of dissolve in the liquid at the bottom of the pitcher plant. Um, and it's all kind of, I mean, you have to do time lapse. But anyway, they're talking about a slime um, attack. So scientists have discovered two species of carnivorous plants previously unknown to science that use slime to catch their prey. I love this stuff. Still finding stuff out there. I think it's amazing. Botanists spotted the new species high in the Andes Mountains of southern Ecuador, not far from the border with Peru. Plant species dubbed uh, Pinguicula jimbarensis and Pinguicula uh, Ambrophila. I will not relent. I will follow through, uh, respectively, sorry, uh, have been described in a paper published in the journal Phytokeys. Is this what it looks like? Yes. They form uh, part of the butterworts genus. You ever have a case of butterworts? <laughs> I hear you I have mean, to cast a spell from Harry Potter. Everything sounds like it's from a fantasy or video game. <laughs> I once read a copy of uh, Harry Potter and I got a case of butterworts. <laughs> I was thinking it's got to be a spell or maybe it was in the, um, uh, I can't think what the class was, but there was something relating to plants. Oh, right. Herbology. Herbology, yes. So um, it's a group of more than 100 species of flowering plants, technically known as Pinguicula. I guess that's how you pronounce it, right? P-I-N-G-U-I-C-U-L-A. Pinguicula. Uh, whatever. Uh, they have the ability to catch insects with their slimy leaves. Most members of this genus are found in the northern hemisphere, unlike the two members. So I guess that's a slimy leaf and that catch, catches bugs. I think people should do this as natural 
um, insecticide. Just plant that in your basement and it'll catch spiders and stuff like that. Yeah, but spiders are good. Spiders are good, but I'm just saying that if you're going to catch insects, then somehow, why do basements always get like the most insects crawling around in them? Anyway, researchers first observed the new species during expeditions to numerous remote Ecuadorian habitats where little is known about the local flora. Pretty probably cool. because most scientists haven't ventured <laughs> to those locations. True. Um, they're small, generally measuring only a few inches in height in diameter. In height in diameter? Okay. Uh, they grow either on the moist peat-like ground of their high Aldean habitats, or in some cases, on the surface of rock walls, as with P. ambrophila. Let's take a look at... Oh, that looks like an orchid. It does look like an orchid. Interesting. So the plant belongs to the butterworts genus. I just had to say that one more time because I saw it in the article again. It's pretty neat. Um, this will ultimately be told in the laboratory, I think, Henning said. There might be a small number of new species showing up somewhere in the remote high Andes of northwestern south america that can be recognized as new species by their outer appearance alone however the total number of species might be much higher and somewhat hidden in a deceptive morphological morpholo morphological similarity between even distant populations so yeah they'll have to do some like they do genetic uh, sequencing now of plants so that you can tell so one from another the scientific classification yeah um there's somebody, oh, who is it? Well, I can't say their name, but anyway, they are known to uh, the mayor of Ometown where they are. Um, basically, there is a whole community that swaps plants, um, little snippets because of the various characteristics of those plants. Um, and I pose the question, well, how do you know that that plant is an authentic plant? that plant um and subsequently i did some digging around and found out that there is uh there are people out there that sequence plants so that if you want a specific trait you can order a plant with that specific trait it's pretty fascinating tech out oh, there i'm that sure mendel would be impressed the pea plant experimenter yeah, I think that would be pretty amazing. Can you imagine bringing that back to him as tech and saying, hey, do this? Blow his mind. Um, anyway, it says, hence they believe that their two species will very likely be accompanied by more novelties in the near future. Sadly, the question likely will be whether we discover and protect them before they are destroyed with their habitats. Probably along with their habitats. Um one of the things that I learned about um, a lot of the, the regions in South America, Central America, is uh, companies are buying up large swaths of forest, giving the regional area, either the tribes or populations within the region, some money, um, and then just obliterating the trees 
they convert to farming, but it is a different level of uh, subsistence existence. So they lose all of that protection. They convert to farming and they become farmers instead of what they were originally geared for. Then the right, money then goes away. Losing all the biodiversity. Yeah. And it's a different ecological stage. Um, yep. That's yeah. That's not a good thing. Yep. Um, so let's keep on hustling through the news. The next article is over in. Uh, the Warcrafters channel, no, no Man's Sky's next major update adds new ships and spooky corrupted planets. Um, I love No Man's Sky. It has a VR element to it, so you can actually play No Man's Sky in VR, um, which I absolutely dig. Uh, but to me, it actually makes it a little bit harder. The, the situational awareness is completely different in VR. So it's getting a new update a mere month and a bit after it got its last one, which was very well received. The 4.2 Interceptor patch, which releases today, well, in the last 24 hours, um, brings new enemies, new resources, and a new Starship class, which Hello Games says is No Man's Sky's most varied Starship to date. It also makes a few performance and visual tweaks, especially for users in VR. The last update actually did a tremendous amount of work in the VR space as well, Uh, but apparently this one is even better. So the update introduces new corrupted planets, which have fallen prey to a darkness that is spreading through the Sentinel Horde. Um, And let's keep on hustling through this. I might end up having to start streaming No Man's Sky. I'll be a NMS main, I suppose, in VR. I don't know. I've been looking for my forever game to stream on Twitch pretty much forever. Um, and uh, every time I find one, there's something that pulls me away from it. I don't know. We're, we're coming up on my deep dive into streaming and I think No Man's Sky might be it because the thing that I love is it's there's endless um, what exploration. I mean, there's just so many planets that you go out and you categorize everything on a planet and you would be spending multiple lifetimes doing this. If it was real, like a real life endeavor, um, it would be amazing. But it's a game. And so you struggle with the fact that you're walking around and identifying a product, a game, uh, sorry, uh, uh, an asset. Uh, it's just a, uh, whatever it might be. Like you identify this little crystal uh, bundle here, and then you go to another planet and it's the same kind of bundle, maybe a little smaller, a little different, but it's got a different name. And so you catalog that and you get a little money for it. You go to another planet and you do the same thing, except that there's thousands of these things that you're identifying across the world and you'll spend months doing one world. If you try to catalog an entire planet, absolutely fun for some people, but I don't know. We'll see, but I'll be playing this in um, VR here soon. I've played it several times, but I keep starting over. What do you think? I think it looks cool and I like the idea of all of the planets. Like it sounds like you could play it repeatedly and really kind of do something different each time. Oh wow, I love this ship. Oh my gosh. 
I love this ship. Let me close the ad there. That was a really cool effect. Wow. Okay. Well, anyway, I, I can't, I can't sit here and, and watch this because I will end up ending the show early. Huh? <laughs> I said, I can't even, I can't even anyway, it's really neat. Um, so go and check it out. If you've never seen no man's sky, it's from hello games. Go over to steam, buy it. You will not regret it. It, there's a lot of history with uh, No Man's Sky where it came out and and uh, it was less than stellar, but they never relented on its evolution. And now it's just hitting it out of the park, just absolutely crushing it. So, I don't like the huge spider-like enemies, though. That, that makes me a little concerned. Oh, um, you're talking about the expansion? Huge yeah. spider-like enemies or... And this is not a phrase that the author is thrilled to read. They're small crab-like children. That sounds perhaps worse than the spider-like enemies. Yeah. So um, it says you're you're armed with stealth tech, flamethrower, and explosive weaponry. So the phrase nuke it from orbit is probably... And there's actually another VR game um, where... I think it's a VR game where you basically run around with a flamethrower and try and kill spiders. Maybe this is the No Man's Sky version of it. Um, but a lot of the critters, they don't attack. All of the, uh, like, flora and fauna, um, the fauna doesn't really attack. Not unless you shoot it. Otherwise, it just walks around. It doesn't care about you. But sentinels come after you, and maybe these enemies are actively um, after you. We'll see. I'll play it. Um I don't know. Maybe this weekend I can give it a shot. Okay, let's hustle on. This is the last one. Uh, I'll preface it with the uh, statement that uh, we have been told <laughs> many years ago that uh, a person wanted to buy a house on a hill because snakes cannot go up hills. They roll back down. I personally love that theory, although I don't subscribe to that theory. I can tell you from experience that um, in the in the um, exploration phase of buying a house, um, Marwat drove around Ometown to find a place, and when the door was opened, uh, a snake slithered underneath the vehicle and out the other side, just in time for the AI and their body to be told as they opened the door there's a snake under the car and that house was summarily vetoed as an option the reality is the snake may have moved on to the next house but it, it was invisible at the next house <laughs> <laughs> and it was invisible to the ai at that point too um that's when they had a different body. So um, now their Terminator body would have taken care of that snake in no time. So uh, anyway, can some snakes do cartwheels to escape or startle predators? Eh, I don't know. In <laughs> that research, would startle prey, I would think. <laughs> uh, that title is the sole reason why I actually included this article. In research published in Biotropica, which is the worst orange drink I've ever had, it's all snake. Investigators report that the dwarf reed snake 
Uh, Pseudorabdion longiceps. Wow. Performs cartwheels when threatened. This is the first time such an active rolling motion has been documented in snakes. I've actually seen it in lizards um, with um, images and a detailed description, apparently. Okay, the name worries me because I think it's a water snake. The only thing worse than ground snakes are water snakes or tree snakes. Yeah, you don't want drop snakes. So um, let's see. It performs cartwheels when threatened. Uh, this is the first time uh, such an active rolling motion has been documented. It's a nocturnal small snake that lives in regions in Southeast Asia. You're safe. Um, typical defense mechanisms that small snakes use against predators include fleeing, <laughs> camouflage, coloration, odors, death feigning. That's what I do. Um, and intimidation. That's what I try, but it turns into death feigning. Um, some snakes also use passive rolling, but investigators I'm have... I'm not a... sure what passive rolling looks like. <laughs> it's part of the death uh, feigning. They just kind of plop over and then just tumble down the hill. <laughs> some snakes uh, also use passive rolling, but investigators have observed that the dwarf reed snake performs active cartwheeling by repeatedly launching the coils of its body into the air and rolling down inclines. Hey! Oh my gosh, that person must have been correct. <laughs> wow. There isn't much to this article, by the way. I thought that there was going to be pictures, but uh, there's no pictures. I wanted a video. Um... <laughs> This is from Wiley. I don't know if it's, yeah, the publisher Wiley. Um, so um, follow, there's links and stuff that are in this article. Uh, the uh, writers, the publishers, the researchers, I don't know. It says author Evan Sang Huat Kwa, PhD of University, Malaysia, Sabah. Um, says, we believe that this behavior may be more widespread in other small snake species, especially members of the subfamily. Calam calamarane um why does that sound like calamari yeah because it does <laughs> it's probably from the same uh latin root um there there is a what is it a caterpillar or something like that that does that it curls up into um like a tube and then rolls away um but it's kind of like a pill bug but it's longer and it has that hard pill bug exoskeleton kind of thing um and and it curls up when you try and pick it up how rude i don't know which one that is yeah it'll take too long well that's okay we'll i guess we'll circle back around yeah maybe cartwheel well cartwheel um but like every episode we take you back to the welcome sign of ohm town that way you can click on that welcome sign and it'll give you a whole bunch of news arkansas house okay social media age verification requirement arkansas it wasn't arkansas it was not so that means we've got at least two of these what was the other one? Was it Ohio or? Uh, Utah. Oh, Utah. That's right. So now Arkansas requires 
a media, a social media age verification, which man, <laughs> I don't know what that really accomplishes. I don't either. I mean, isn't that one of those things where, well, I guess that's another problem, right? Because if it's, I assume you have to have an account. It's not just going, it's not the same as going to a website. So now you're going to have to put your birthday in your account. And then that goes to the thing about the anonymity. Yeah. Lie. You know, if kids want to be online, they're not going to sit there and go, Oh, I'm overwhelmed with, uh, the requirement to be honest in creating a social media account as it is, you have to be 13, um, for a website to start collecting data. And so they say, oh, you can't have a, have a website unless you're 13, but nobody follows that. And they sign up when they're, you know, 10 and I don't know. I just don't, what I don't like is kids being online where their, their identity is known, right? Yeah, that's a real problem. I'd rather children have anonymity so that they don't get bullied by people where it, if they are anonymous online, it's much harder to traverse into the real world. But if they are known and it's verified that they're a kid, there's a lot more babysitting by the website to protect that kid. Unfortunately, the tools just aren't there. So it's really kind of forcing the hand of the website to, to now mandate that everybody has to identify themselves. And I think well, that's right. really the push is to de-anonymize I mean, social media. And I assume that all these sites are going to have to do this for all of their locations because are they really going to be able to set up a separate thing for the state of Arkansas? I don't think so. Um, in bulk, um, yeah, I mean, it's possible. So I can tell you from experience that if you want to buy something from a certain website and it's verboten in that other location, they won't even send you a package through a state that doesn't allow its uh, conveyance through the state. Okay, um, well, that's true. And so, you, like, you can't ship alcohol to certain states. Um, you can't do certain things. Um, and and it's all built into the um, e-commerce solution of the website. So, um, at any rate, every time you go into hometown, you're going to find something that you're interested in, folks. So, go and swing by. Check it out. You don't have to sign up, um, but... I would encourage you, you can actually start customizing what channels you are interested in and you'll see news that focuses on that. Um, and we have 50, roughly 50 channels. We actually have 47 that are active. I haven't activated the other three yet. Um, pending additional news sources. Um, but there's six main categories like creative and maker news and business science and education, food, drink, and entertainment, uh, society, politics, and law, and gadgets and technology. The seventh one over here is the podcast. So if you don't have a podcatcher to catch the pods, you can go over to hometown.com and listen to the podcast. Because it acts like a podcatcher to catch pods. But only the hometown pod. I'm not sure I'd recognize a podcatcher if I encountered one. 
Um, it, you know what it looks like because of the way that it does. <laughs> All right, folks. That's it for today. You have now seen how the sausage is made, heard how the sausage is made, and we're on the other side of it. So I'm going to cut it off and cook this thing up and uh, got a, a nice hot flat top ready to put this thing out for everybody to consume. What do you say? You want to say bye to everybody? Yes. Good night, hometown citizens. We'll see you at tomorrow's show. 9 p.m. Eastern. You get to see how the sausage and hear how the sausage is made again and 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 again. Bye-bye, everybody.